0: As personal banjo, you interact a lot with the audience, mm-hmm. and I think that worked particularly well in the UK because mm-hmm. there's traditional panto. You will ask the audience, for example, to stand up, mm-hmm. to follow your order, mm-hmm. to take
1: the piss out of <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am actually quite offended. The MC <laughs> called me an act. She did not even use my pronouns, His Excellency. <laughs> Every single one of you stand up, repeat after me. Dear leader. We love you. We love you. We adore you. We
0: adore you.
1: We will do anything for you.
0: Welcome to Comedy with an Accent Podcast. I'm your Taiwanese comedian, Quan Wen. I interview comedians who perform English stand-up comedy but who are not native English speakers or they can have a very distinct British regional accent. This podcast is all about comedy, about accent, about languages and about the comedy technique. So stay tuned if you're interested. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Comedy with an Accent Podcast. I've literally just returned from the Edinburgh Fringe Festivals. So I hope my Voice doesn't sound too husky. Today I have one of. I don't know how to describe you. I wouldn't say special, but it's not just special. I would say misleading in terms of episode title. So this guest on the show title I say is from the Lafta Republic. He is a Laftian, a Laftian speaker, <laughs> and that is meant to be a joke because Lafta Republic does not actually exist. But I will let him explain the
1: whole shenanigan. Let's welcome President Obanjo. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you survived, Eddie. <laughs> I know this is about an accent, but I would like to say that I bought this accent from Waitrose and it might expire soon. <laughs> and it's really interesting you say that Last Republic doesn't exist, but on, <laughs> but, but on TikTok, people believe it exists. I can't believe you use TikTok to say I'm from Taiwan.
0: Don't trust that. But anyway, if you want to use it, you're at your liberty. So, let's explain. There are 40% of listeners actually are from the United States. So, for that reference, Waitrose, you need to change it to Whole Foods or something. Okay, cool. And you're fully committed to a character except your accents. Today's guest's real name is Benjamin... Banklo Bello, did I yeah, pronounce it yeah. correctly?
1: I am just really pleased that you were able to pronounce the whole name properly. Normally, people will say, "Come back and say, oh, is it Banklo or Banki or so, or Banky or ba-? Yeah, so you have done." extremely well i'm so pleased
0: no no you see i i don't really mind i get a white guest name wrong all the time but obviously anything i do wrong today i will be put on trial so that's why i did a little bit of homework and i'm also glad you used your full name because if you're only benjamin bellow mm. your initial is bb that in my world that stands for bareback so this is not really a nice association
1: to be <laughs> I would say I don't know what you mean by beer back. But it sounds funny, <laughs> but Benjamin Bancoli Bello. It sounds like Jacob Reed's Mog, double-barrel name. You know, so yeah, cool. So let's explain the episode title: Laughter Republic President Obonjo,
0: That is one of your character. That's it's correct. A very well-known character on the UK comedy circuit. And probably not just UK, because you're also on TikTok.
1: Yeah, because it's on TikTok. Yes. So it's well known across the UK and since it's gone viral on TikTok, all over the world from Nepal, Taiwan, Indonesia, America, everywhere.
0: But your real name as my, a person... My, 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 um, as
1: a person, my real name is Benjamin Bancolibelo. And I'm i am really pleased to be here and to talk as myself. It's one of many things I said I was going to do. It's all part of my therapy. I'm going through a 7 stage... <laughs>
0: Program because I'm a. I just don't know how to describe it. It feels like when you're in a character for so long, they become part and parcel of you. So they never fully escape. Do you no, like they don't no, leave.
1: The way I describe it, it's like President Bonjo is part of me. There's nothing I can do about it. He sleeps with my wife, he raises my children. <laughs> so I've grown to realize that the character is part and parcel of my life.
0: Maybe let's use the virus as an analogy. The mm. virus might die down but it's never fully gone. You're yeah. just waiting for the right time to stage a comeback. Yeah and but a good example is I've come here as Benjamin but you introduced me as President the Bon That is a funny uh, scenario. of The Comedians Comedian Podcast by mm-hmm. Stuart Goldsmiths. Mm-hmm. His most recent get is Bianca De Rio which is quite a famous drag queen and her real name as a guy is mm. Roy but the drag persona is very important for mm. him to deliver his jokes. So mm. one of the question from Stuart, which I think is very valid, whether he should have introduced Bianca De Rio as Bianca or as Roy. The guest didn't mind. So mm. the same question apply in this case. Should I have introduced you or describe you as personal Banjo or Benjamin? That is relevant because you've only just started to do stand-up as Benjamin, mm. apart from doing the character as mm. personal Banjo.
1: Yeah, that's entirely right. It's not just me who is confused. Comedians and audiences who have seen me as President ponja are also confused because it's one of many reasons why I decided I was going to do straight stand-up. And I'm not killing the president. I can't kill the president. He will allow me to kill him.
0: <laughs> he's a zombie. He
1: will not die. It's just really interesting how people don't see me as me. For example, if you hadn't met me and you saw me in civilian suit, so I've never ever seen you outside your character. People think that I wear the uniform 24-7 there's a life outside yeah. president bonjour but it's just really interesting how people see me but it's great to come out as a straight stand-up comedian and to, it, grow to I, I need to be specific
0: with the term in this episode whenever we're talking about coming out that means someone who used to do character comedy is doing <laughs> stand-up and when we say straight stand-up
1: it doesn't imply the difference between gay stand-up and straight stand-up <laughs> Look, look, it is one of my latest jokes when people were saying, oh, why don't you do straight stand-up? I just thought, wow, I didn't realise. I was doing gay stand-up. I was doing gay (laughs) stand-up. Now, I've come out. This is my come-out story. Try
0: I say bendy stand-up next (laughs) time? It is fun. Okay. Okay. You as a person, Benjamin, you were born in... I was born in Liverpool. You were born in Liverpool. By the age of five, I went back to Nigeria. And your parents were from Nigeria. And how long did you live in Nigeria? I went
1: back at the age of five and I came back at the age of 19. Oh, I went back. I had no choice. They said I was going back. So your connection with Liverpool isn't long enough for you
0: to retain the Scouse accent, I imagine. Uh, Yes, but who would want to sound Liverpoolian in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Actually, being a comedian in the UK, Scouse accent is an asset. (laughs) You spent 14 years growing up in Nigeria. Were you happy to come back or come to the UK?
1: I had no choice. I had to come back because I just finished secondary school I didn't get into the right uni. My parents just thought, oh, yeah, you're British. Why don't you just come to the UK and try to it? So, UK? why did your parents move from Liverpool back to Nigeria? That's because they finished. It. My father was a very successful um, engineer. So, he studied at the University of Liverpool, got his degree, and then decided he was going to get a job in Nigeria. It was just after Nigeria gained independence. So, oh, Nigeria okay. gained independence in 1960. My father went back in 1965. They were encouraging Nigerians who had left to study. After independence, to come back to Nigeria, he got a good job. Would you want to stay in England at the time, or would you be? where you will be well respected and valued. Had Nigeria been part of the British Empire when he
0: came over yeah, to Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, cool. yeah. So they were,
1: got the scholarship and everything. Those are some of the benefits <laughs> of colonialism. So he got, got a scholarship. He was the only one in his family to gain a scholarship to come into England. But like
0: when to... you were born, did you have automatic British citizenship? Yeah, yeah,
1: automatically. At the time, before Thatcher came into the scene, Margaret Thatcher. So saved. it
0: wasn't difficult for you to come back? No, no, I was British
1: I nationalities. So in you're British and Nigerian... I'm sure some
0: people will ask you this stupid question. Do you feel more British or more Nigerian? Does that kind of question
1: bother you? I don't think it bothers me. I can understand why people ask that question because they find it difficult to put me into a box so people don't know where I'm from. Obviously, I'm not from laugh republic but they don't know whether I'm Nigerian or Ghanaian or what I call Black British. I'm more bothered by that in any shape or form because I think it's just an opportunity to educate people that there are people who have dual nationality. If you ask me where I feel home is, I know Nigeria is where my home is, but I know I have an adopted country, which is England.
0: I probably have to ask you one more question before I get to my usual formulated first question. So the 14 years you spent living in Nigeria, Mm. what language did you
1: use? This is quite, actually very painful because my father was brought up in the English way. So when I say was brought up in the English way, he obviously spent some time in Nigeria. And then when he came here, the Western values and Western education really shaped his views. We were brought up speaking English at home. And I went to a secondary school where they didn't really teach us Yoruba, which is the, the native language where I come from. We were very, very English in our approach. There's a saying that we were brought up as Ajebotas. ajabotas are almost like Nigerians who behave like English people, but they're based in Nigeria. You can tell that they've come from abroad. Is that yeah. pejorative voice neutral when you call someone that word? For me it was more about, it wasn't coconut, it was more it, someone has uh, not necessarily an English mentality but just you can just tell that they're from abroad mm-hmm. and they were raised abroad, trying to get back into the Nigerian society, so they're the ones who will go to private school, international schools, trying to get back into the culture. Because they are westernized about, to an extent. They are,
0: they are westernized to yeah. an extent. I think extent. Uh, Chinese people, like mainly in China, yeah. they have yeah. the term for these people, they call them the sea turtles, uh, because the term turtle sounds very close to return. So they are
1: returning yeah, from, from overseas. From overseas, yeah. Basically, your first language is English, not yeah. Europe. Not Europe. So the universal language in Nigeria is English. However, because I lived a very sheltered life, my father was the vice principal of a polytechnic and we had uh what you call the staff quarters it was almost like a big massive estate where we had everything in there we hardly went out to go and interact with other people from nigeria if that makes sense Is uh, a gated community yeah it was a gated community so mm-hmm. i think i suffered from that because i didn't really start mixing with the, what i call and i don't mean to be disrespectful other nigerians or t- on, different w- walks, walks of, of life for different walks of life until i actually left the gated community to go to boarding school and then I really experienced what it was like meeting other Nigerians when I was at boarding school but also when I came into England then I met Nigerians from different walks of life. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, there's something different about me, the way I've been raised. I didn't know that there were other parts of Nigeria with different languages and different cultures. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Your
0: personal history tangled with the legacy of British Empire. And the reason I have to ask that question, and now I'm sure you are the very first native English-speaking guest on this podcast. Oh, excuse me. And that's why I have to be sure, Mm because my first question usually to my guests is, Mm. do you think when you speak English,
1: that you have an accent? So, it's really interesting. I I never used to speak like this when I came from Nigeria. I had a very thick African accent, and I don't, there's nothing wrong in having a very thick African accent. Actually, when I perform in character, that's how I sound. But over the years, I don't believe it was done intentionally. There's just something that happened within the the years of spending time in England that made my accent change. Uh, and that was obviously because of my networks and the people that I befriended as friends, mm-hmm. and, you know, and things just moved on. And I certainly know that when I first arrived in 1985 and I went to Hackney College to do my A-levels, mm-hmm. I know that it shouldn't have been this way. And I don't know whether at the time I, I was so naive because I hadn't experienced racism, so I don't know what it was about. But I did have issues with some teachers. Every time I spoke, they would say I should repeat what I said because I wasn't pronouncing things properly. And I just thought, wow, but I know I speak perfect good English. And I tell you, I have colleagues who have been here longer than I have, but they decided not to change your accent. They, they still have that African accent, if that makes sense. You know yes, and yeah.
0: the teachers specifically ask you to enunciate, to, to re- repeat. Or she'll, she'll say, sorry. Even that, I I was pretty, so patronising, you know so that's from a time where the British tolerance of non-RP accent was very low. Just
1: because I had a different accent, because I know even when I finished uni, I remember applying for a job I went through three interviews, it was obvious that I was a very good candidate, but then, final interview, and the guy said, we like you, but we're not sure where they're going to be able to fit in, because it was a job in the city, and I didn't know what that actually meant until I moved on to other jobs and I just realised, wow. They had this idea of how you should sound and pronunciation. It's almost like when you watch TV mm-hmm. and you see all these black broadcasters and how they pronounce their words, and you're wondering, wow. Every time, and when I apply for a job, it has to go through an, a telephone interview. And then after the telephone interview, they have to meet them face-to-face. And as soon as you walk in, you could just tell, that oh, we didn't know he was black, because... <laughs> <laughs> this is where, for me... During that time, I hadn't started doing comedy, but when you talk about impersonation and all that stuff. So I knew when to put on the accent and when not to put on the accent. Does that make sense? So You so are it, a yeah.
0: accent shape-shifter. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I knew when it worked for me and when it didn't. I remember one meeting I went to. It was one of my first corporate jobs. I had presented some business plan and discussion. So I was getting irritated by someone not attending and watching me I wanted to impress that person. I flipped straight into my African accent. I said, why are you not listening to me or? I think I almost freaked out like, well, this is like a different person. Just imagine those corporate people. Yeah. But that was in the 80s, yeah? yeah? I suspect now, even at work, you have people who just sound They've got the African accent. The society has moved on so Yeah, exactly, much. exactly. But in the time that I arrived in England, it was long before Stephen Lawrence's death. There was a lot of racial tension in the UK at the time. And you could tell, you could just smell the racism.
0: We might have it to it. remind the audience, yeah. someone that really mm-hmm. young, uh, the Stephen Lawrence case, that so it yeah. was a black British boy yeah. that was...
1: Murdered on a bus stop by four white
0: men. In the late 90s or yeah yeah i think it was late 90s yes you also mentioned something very interesting So you say that you knew some of your colleagues or friends they made a conscious decision to mm. retain mm-hmm. the african accent because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they are proud of the accent mm-hmm. and i do agree that you actually have to make a conscious effort not to have mm-hmm. your accent swayed mm-hmm. i don't know how it works with other people but i just pick up whoever speak around me and my accent would change so Mm. every time i spent a prolonged period back Mm. in taiwan my friends will always say your english sound different it's more asian strongly accented Mm. and will pick up more american pronunciation Mm. in your case you've learned to tone it down but unlike your colleague you didn't resist fully. My
1: accent obviously changed as soon as I moved away from London. I've spent most of my time outside London living in Portsmouth, St Albans, Brighton and so the accent definitely changed. I might be totally wrong but I get the impression there are some people who don't want to network outside their community that means that you're restricted in terms of how your accent changes so for example to remind myself that i'm black i go to some nigerian restaurants in london and when i go in there i hear their accent i say, wow that's how i used to sound and there's nothing wrong with it the other thing i want to correct because i feel very strongly about this i dislike when people say that they can't speak english very well or they don't pronounce british words the way they should Because for me, you should be free to express yourself the way you are Mm -hmm. as a person. That's really important. But also, I'm fascinated by how during colonisation and the white man came to Nigeria, for example. They say, oh, because we couldn't speak the language properly, oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. No, hell no. Actually, what they do, they also impose their culture and impose their own language on the people that they were colonising. I'm saying this because I remember I was doing a video with someone from Indonesia She was just apologising, no, I don't speak very good English. I said, no, you speak perfect English. I understand what you're saying. You may not pronounce it the British way, but hell no, you're not British. You're from Indonesia. I can understand what you're telling me, how you want to say it and what the message is. And that for me is good enough. And I think that's the society that we're in now compared to 20 years ago where you had to make a concerted effort to sound in certain ways. It wasn't just about the accent, it was also about your name, for example. When I arrived in this country, my parents said, oh, Benjamin Bellow is what I should be using. And I used that. And after a while, I just said, but... How are they going to know I'm African? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to think I'm Italian. That's yeah. true. That
0: was not a straightforward answer, but that was not possible to answer my first question straightforward.
1: In terms of, do you think you have an accent? Because you just explain it's very complex. I think it's really, really complex because there's no guarantee that, for example, if I went to the States and I spent five years in the States, that my accent wouldn't change. So my follow up question is now to you but not to
0: President Bonjor. Mm. When you are speaking now mm. do you consider your own accent to be strong or mild?
1: I don't know. I've you never know. I have never ever given it. <laughs> honestly, it's not I'm avoiding the question. It doesn't concern me. Some people say I sound British. Some people say I sound really British, you know, almost close to I don't know, Queen's English, but they can't tell whether I'm African, but Africans can tell I'm African because of the way I pronounce certain words. I've never really given it any thought because I want to be comfortable with myself. So if I feel I can express myself well and people understand what I'm saying, that's important. But I know that people say I sound British. I don't sound African.
0: This reminds me of the joke Gina Yashir did on Life of the Apollo. Uh, she was joking about how a thousand American uh, lady, as soon as they see her, uh, her skin color, they uh, form this stereotype, uh, opinion uh, of her. Something she spoke, for the Southern American lady, that British accent is higher class. But
1: this is what's really interesting. When I went to America in nineteen ninety nineteen ninety nine, 1999, I had no idea that I had a British accent until I arrived in America. Oh, And then Americans are going to a bar, oh wow, this is American, <laughs> how's the Queen? I, I never met the Queen, but they saw me as a British representative and I didn't realise that I had a British accent. Oh. So, so you can see how I struggle with this, whether I got a strong, mild or whatever. I genuinely did not know that I had a British accent until... I went to the States. Okay, so mm. I think you're almost
0: accent-free, except sometimes there'll be one or two vowels. I can hear small trace of the, what you call the African accent. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But very, very like, except I'm going to tell one anecdote. So <laughs> I've known Benjamin a President of Bonja since 2017. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. first met at the Muse Moose. Yes, Muse. yes. Were we in the same heat or we were like two different? Two different heats. Two different, different yeah, heats. Yeah, yeah. I think going to semi yeah. or something, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then one year at Edinburgh Fringe Festival, where President Obanjo or Benjamin was performing as President Obanjo, throughout, we typically go for brunch at a place called the City Cafe. No, but yeah. I think it was halfway through the Fringe Festival. <laughs> and I said, hey... And you were supposed to be out of your character. <laughs> but you were so immersed in that character day in, day out. Because this is not just your show. You were in that character going to do spots yeah, at yeah, other yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. You couldn't switch back to your original <laughs> accent. So I was like... This is not right. Like, you're (laughs) talking to me as civilian, but you're obviously not responding in Benjamin's accent. You're in Benjamin's human noise. Yeah, Yeah, you're talking in President Obonjo's accent. Accent. I feel like that character really got into you, that ad (laughs) improperly.
1: Well, I don't think people realise what it is to be in character. And you're right, there were times when I couldn't really switch off because comedy just didn't end. On stage, it doesn't end because you have people who want to hear from the president and they're talking to the president online.
0: You almost feel like you created an alternative universe or Uh like a spirit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it starts to feed off his energy.
1: You know, Edinburgh is mad. Edinburgh is mad. I was wearing the uniform all over the place. An audience member might have seen the president a day before and then they see him on the streets flying. I fired in character. You've uh, also fly uh, character. character so yeah. you were almost 24 hours well, yeah, when yeah. you were away well, you were in well, character. Yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> I want to assume People know what character comedy means. But let's become condescending. Yeah. If someone who is not a seasoned or like hardcore comedy fan, what's the difference? Because in my personal opinion, comedy is comedy. Anything you do, you make the customer the audience love is comedy but a lot of people like to compartmentalize Mm. this craft Mm. or this industry using the conventional terminology Mm. how would you differentiate between straight stand-up and character comedy
1: for me i never thought i was not doing straight stand-up yeah i just generally thought that i was doing stand-up comedy until some people said oh you're not doing stand-up comedy you're doing character comedy I believe there is no difference. It's so why you can make people laugh because I genuinely think even with stand-up comedians, you're doing an exaggerated persona of yourself. I completely agree, And yes. it just so happens that but with character comedy, most of the jokes that I do are fictional. They don't apply to me. And I'm not talking about myself. My view is that there is no difference. So far, you can make people laugh. So far, you've got the jokes. It is stand-up comedy, but I can understand that there's a definition and it really, really irritates me. And it's one of my many motivations to say to people that, look, you could do character comedy, but you should also be able to do straight stand-up. With character comedy, it's fictional, it's mental. You're not necessarily talking about yourself. It's not really life story. So a lot of what I do is very fictional. I need to think really, really hard about the stuff I want to say that's got nothing to do with my life. I think it's getting to quite an
0: emotional part because it yeah. tangles with how people treat you, how yeah. people are being judgmental. But if I use a objective way of describing it, Quite often, a character comedy, that character is not a legal person. That person doesn't exist. So it, the name is made up. But it doesn't change the fact that actually a lot of stand-up comedians, when they talk about themselves, there will always be some fictionalized elements in their stories. Otherwise, your life wouldn't be that gag-worthy or punchy. To make what happened to you into a good comedy club set, mm. you will have to fictionalize a certain part of it to make it that funny in such a short, intensive way. Mm. So I don't think it's that different. But if we are trying to be pedantic, in one of your comedy jokes, you talk about the sad example
1: of Elk Murray, mm-hmm. the pub landlord.
0: That is a character. Lee Nelson is
1: also a character. In... He's, he's actually successful in doing himself as uh, Simon Brogan, where he talks about his family life. Yeah, but I think it's just an exaggerated personality on stage, but just developing something just totally different.
0: But you have mm-hmm. a great punchline to that mm-hmm. setup. After Elk Murray and another example, you would then say, Boris Johnson is not Boris Boris Johnson Johnson. and that is so funny you basically pretend to conform to the conventional understanding of character comedy and then use Boris Johnson to say actually some people
1: are not that real or Mm. true to their Mm. actual character in real life. That wasn't even meant to happen just for your listeners one of the reasons why I decided I was going to do straight stand-up and also why I decided I had to do some therapy to discover myself was someone outed me on Twitter and basically said, oh, President Bonjour is not a real president, he's a fictional president, he lives in St. Albans, he's married, blah, 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 blah. I just thought, wow, geez, someone has really (laughs) just dethroned me. I just felt really, really naked. How would you respond to that subtle thing? I just realised that some people actually think some of these character comedians are really who they are. So I think the lines must not be blurred, but I just like the idea. I look at it like people having a split personality or most, multiple personalities. We all have split personalities. It just so happens that some of us want to share our split personalities of state. That's how I see character comedy, where you interact with your colleagues at work. It's very different from how you would interact with your girlfriend. We all have different personalities. It's just that some of us know how to dial it down and some of us know how to dial it up, and that's why within the Black community in particular, we always have to, especially if you're living in the Western world, the way I operate at work is very different from when I'm at home with my children or when I'm with my friends. It's a different board game entirely. I think the so, yeah. easiest way to explain is the Catherine Tate
0: show. The racist Nan is the one character, yeah. but Lauren, the chavvy schoolgirl, Uber, is another Uber, character. And each are in its own way. Catherine Tate is able to do certain job when she's in a different character. I, thought, yeah. I want to be very clear in case people are not certain, there is no left Republic republic. He was joking when I said, how dare you say there's <laughs> no... So there is no left republic. Because <laughs> I would admit, I don't know every single nation or country that currently exists on the African continent. But
1: that's what's really interesting. And people believe that it exists and then when they Google Google tell them that there is nothing called Lathry Republic. But I still try to convince people that I blame the British. They erased our history and if you look at your map with a magnifying glass, you will find Lathry Republic. And even though I tell them Laughter Republic is very, okay, close, uh, very close to Wakanda.
0: No, take- no <laughs> jokes aside. So historically, where was or where could have been Laftar Republic? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. No. Okay, so stop joking. <laughs> I need you to stop joking okay, because okay. we are factually analyzing. It is funny because it implies a lot of your audience, especially in the Western world, you are making fun of the fact that people don't really care about Africa as much as they care about European continent, for example. Yeah. When there's a fictional European country, more people might be able to spot it quicker to realize that it's a satire, it's a parody. You just made out an African country name, a lot of people wouldn't be that certain to say, I think that is a fake one. And even though they suspect it may be a satire, it might take
1: them longer to... It's not just about Africa, but it's also about the educational system. If you're well-educated, you can't know everything, but at least you will know your geography. A lot of people say, oh, mm, I didn't know that country exists." Hello, that's it. It just goes to show how ignorant people are at times and how politicians (laughs) are able... And not but how politicians are able to make people believe what isn't really real. It sounds really harsh to use the word ignorance but that is
0: something being celebrated on social media today, right? Mm. It, it is funny in that you don't know. I was just going through a video on Instagram and it's basically three girls on a reality TV show mm. talking. Mm. One girl couldn't know the difference between a county and a country mm. and what Liverpool is. It is funny but it is also tragic mm. and, yeah. <laughs> and that's the basis that the first joke of Personal of and laughter Republic mm. is based on. You indirectly answer one of my question I prepared because I wanted to know whether the sort of dictatorship of the African dictator of a Banana Republic was mm. based on, how do you make sure it's not based on a biased Western media
1: worldview and you explain because that's your true living experience. Well, I've had to do some research as well. I feel very strongly about this because it's really interesting how they talk about dictatorship and they talk about, apart from the fact that I believe. Western countries also practiced dictatorship, it's just that uh, they drew through politics. A lot of these people that were classified as dictators were friends of the West at the very beginning. It's as yeah. soon as they fell out with the West, they became dictators. You can mention all the names from Gaddafi, Idi Ami, to Assad. They were all friends of the West. They put them there as puppets, and as soon as they smelt the coffee and decided that oh, we're going to go against what Western policy. Then they fell out with them and the second. Yeah, friends to folk. It. Because some of the stories that they've planted out there are not true. And I use that in terms of the comedy. Because history is
0: always written by one specific size perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder what might be hidden. I'm going to pull you back a little bit to the language and the identity yeah, yeah. bit. One of my questions, before I knew mm. your background, I was wondering whether it was offensive for you to put on the accent, but actually, that is not an accent you borrow. That mm. was an accent in your. It's weird to say it's a toolbox, but it was one of your natural accents. The
1: more I think about it, I've been thinking lately, why did I create the character? Thought that, oh my God, I've almost lost in this British culture. I need to find a way of claiming that back. And the way I claimed that back was to create the character and to go back to the typical. African accent. Because when I was in Nigeria, we were under dictatorship rule. So we had army officers throughout, you know, one military officer takes over from another. So that's my own idea of leadership. But the more I think about it, it was my own way of saying, hey, what's going on here, man? You're you're an African. (laughs) You're not black British. You're actually an African. What? Yeah, that yeah. for me, that context that, very important. Yeah. So that's when I started doing comedy, I said, okay, fine. Apart from the fact that I looked at the scene, I said, look, I wanted to create something different that I'd be remembered for. I just said, yeah, I don't want to go on stage sounding British, like black British. I want to go on stage sounding the way I was before I came into the UK
0: you don't necessarily explain how you grow up. Mm. So I guess nowadays no one who is not black would mm. dare to do blackface and put on mm. an African mm. accent. Mm. But you still see some comedian who are not French but they do a French character put on mm. a French accent. And for me, if someone who actually didn't have the connection to live in Africa, mm. who, let's say born here, but mm. I, I don't know how you draw the line if they have grandparents that they still mm-hmm. visit, mm-hmm. but they don't normally speak with African accent, mm. yet they chose to do an African accent. Would mm. you find that a bit offensive?
1: If a white person did an African accent and they had no connection to Africa, then that could be seen as offensive. If a white South African did a South African accent, then I can understand mm-hmm. why they would do a South African accent. But. People have their motivations. Until I explained this to you, you wouldn't have known that I really had that connection. I won't be surprised that some people actually think I've never lived in Africa, I'm black British, and so they don't... That's
0: answer. what I, I and so they, think they some people might suspect. So, so,
1: yeah, and, but actually that role, that character, role is based on... Truth. Mil- Truth, tr- based on military. That's what I grew up. That's my understanding of leadership. Military dictators run the country. It was a different uh, regime. And, and Maybe I'm scarred by that. I'm still going through that process of why did I actually create the character? Why did I have to start wearing a uniform? But I was very young at the time and that period that I was in Nigeria was very unstable. As a young person, that's what I saw. I just saw military officers. So my
0: question is if a black British youngster Mm. growing up in the UK hardly visited Nigeria Mm. ever, who doesn't even speak normally with an African accent, Mm. who doesn't speak Yoruba or other Nigerian Mm -hmm. languages, yet that person chose to do such a character would
1: you find that offensive as a black person yes no because i would believe that they're trying to connect with their cultures
0: i now find it fascinating because i didn't know and today i've learned that mm-hmm. it is part of your life you've lived through a dictatorship mm-hmm. and i guess in a way maybe that's why after being a character comedy veteran mm-hmm. on the circuit for so long you want to branch out to do straight standard i'm going to put in <laughs> the quotation mark here because you can explain and make it into a joke or tell people what an African dictator shit is like as a dictator character. Yeah. But there are certain things that you just explain. You can only do that having a more objective view or mm. as a third person mm. and you have to explain that kind of joke mm, 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 as mm. a stand up comic. Mm. And is that why you feel there was something it was always a bit itchy, you couldn't do it in a character that was or and then you're trying to fight that now, doing comedy as Benjamin? Yeah,
1: but also it's quite possible that I was just scared by that. I remember at a very young age, I woke up one morning and the whole TV was dark. The whole country was dark because one of the military leaders at the time who was very popular because he was going against what the other military officers wanted, and she want, he really wanted change for Nigeria's called Muri Teller Mohamed, was assassinated in 1976. And I just thought, wow, they show his car, how he was killed. That had a profound effect on me as a person. There were so many painful stories to share under the straight stand-up, but I wasn't prepared to share them, but now I'm mature enough, and the people I want to talk about to deal with, the issues around. So I cover subjects like domestic violence because my mom went through domestic violence but she's old enough now to understand that I can talk about that. I wasn't yeah. prepared to talk about that 11 years ago because I think it was still very very raw. At times you need to protect even though we say it's comedy but some of these things are really real for people that we talk about on stage. I've spent 11 years protecting my mom, but it's time to now talk about those things.
0: I have a slight different view from you. You're very generous. If someone who didn't have your life experience, you welcome them to connect to their culture. I would think that it needs goodwill from Oswego Park to have the humbleness to say, actually, I don't know everything, but I'm going to do as much research as possible. I sometimes do have beef Asian comics who grew up overseas, Mm. but who portray such a simplified, cartoonish world of the Asian culture, Mm. yet they don't really caveat that I don't actually know everything. They made it sound like they are the expert of Asian culture in Mm. front of Western audience.
1: Because I think there's comedy that speaks the truth, there's comedy that wants to educate the audience. So it depends on what type of comedian and what type of message you want to deliver. Some people just see it as just having fun. Uh, Certainly at the very beginning of performing comedy. I just saw it as just having fun and joking on stage, but then I realised that, oh wow, I can actually shape and educate people on certain things about life and politics in particular. I think it depends on where you are and how immersed you are in the particular subject. I certainly know that um, I will take offence if someone talk about African culture, but didn't really know what they were talking about. Yeah. Uh, I will find that offensive. Okay. Have you performed in Nigeria before, as President Banjo? I haven't, but I've performed in Nigerian circles where they want to see Nigerian comics. As in Nigerian-British? Well, as in Nigerian-Nigerians, rather Nigerian-British. But Nigerian living in the UK? Well, there's a difference. It sounds complicated. For example, I did a show many, many years ago where Nigerians, comics from Nigeria, were invited to come and perform in front of Nigerians. And I was one or two British Nigerians based here to come and perform at Catford Theatre. The difference is the Nigerian comics who came from Nigeria, they spoke in pidgin English, which is the broken English. The way that comedy is delivered is different. When the MC introduced me, he said, oh, we have a British Nigerian who's very cosmopolitan. <laughs> okay. And then I went on. You want uh, a special treat, uh, you want
0: the, the flavoured There's a the,
1: the, the flavoured one. It was quite interesting watching the Nigerian comics perform because Nigerians who are based here at times want to hear from Nigerians back in Nigeria. It puts them in touch with their homeland they don't want to watch Michael mcintyre or lee evans all these british comics or jenny yashere because she's british they want to hear stories about nigeria i was almost like a surprise package and oh, we've never seen this guy on tv but he's actually talking about those of us who have lived here for a number of years you know because it's not easy coming from nigeria living in england there's so many. i got so many funny stories about when i arrived in england and because i sounded english they could identify with me but you're not in character though At that time, I wasn't in character. That's what was really interesting. I wasn't in character. Before I started wearing the uniform, I only started wearing the uniform when Obama came into the scene and became president. When the Republicans started giving him a lot of hassle. So I just thought, if he was an African president, what would he do? He would change the constitution. He would behave like an African detective. That's when I started wearing the uniform. But before that, I was a civilian president. Because I wanted to
0: know how Nigerian audience find you portraying in the thick accent.
1: They find it really funny for some of them it can be close to the bone in the sense that it reminds them of dictatorship in nigeria those were very sad moments for nigerians in mm-hmm. those days and i've just recently done one where there were lots of nigerians there i had to really explain why i was wearing the uniforms you know i was a fictional president but i just said yeah, this is what happens to dictatorship when you have been under the dictatorship rule for so many years it really messes you up so that 30 years down the line you're wearing an army uniform and calling yourself president because you have to make that change. You, you're under a dictatorship and then you come to a country like England where you can just express yourself freely to a certain extent, which was on Saturday, two Saturdays ago. They were just laughing their heads
0: off. My question was more from an angle whether they feel like they've been unfairly portrayed in a wrong way. But you are talking about the key issue is because you touch upon something very
1: traumatic for them yeah, yeah, in yeah, the park. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So for Africans, It's not an issue, but I have noticed that the character doesn't get booked in Afro-Caribbean community, not often. And I think that's because one, they can't relate to it. And number two, it probably just reminds them about the colonial era. So I
0: guess uh, we'll probably have to explain because some, Listener, not from the UK. It's in the yeah. UK, Black British either come from the ex-African so, so, colony, but they could also come from, from.
1: They come from the African Caribbean community, from Jamaica, Guyana, Barbados, Grenada. So there's a difference. You've got the Africans, and you've got the African Caribbean. My so, next
0: question is hmm?
1: though: Have you been invited to perform at a It's called Urban Comedy or Black Comedy uh, that What is the I, right I, term for them? Uh, well. I don't believe there is anything called an urban circuit. <laughs> it's not an urban circuit. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. it's either
1: like black comedy. That's my. That's just my uh, view. I don't get to do a lot of those gigs because, apart from the fact I don't get booked, I just don't think they get what I'm trying to do. But when I do them, I remember doing one with Mister called Mister C, and he described what I was doing, and it it was it was fine, it was great. But I think, especially within the black circuit, so they prefer straight stand-up comedy to character comedy okay
0: but there is a black circuit
1: uh, yeah there, there, yeah, there is a black circuit and is it racist to call the black circuit black circuit I want to be sure. no no it's not racist to call it a black circuit because it's a black circuit it's interesting that the mainstream circuit doesn't call itself it's white circuit but I can understand why it's called a black circuit
0: you know circuit. how I found out about this because I live in South London uh-huh. and sometimes we'll see posters really? of comedy gigs with predominantly black, black, black comedians yeah, yeah. But I've never heard of them I was yeah. like, I've been performing a lot of places London. How can i never mm. heard of them? And then someone then say Kwon I think your style will go down really well, well Have you tried it? I was never, never invited so I, would have,
1: I'm, I wouldn't invite you to
0: <laughs> You say they like to play it safe I remember gigging in Ariel's gig mm. And there was a guy who was like black mm. British Apparently this was okay for a black sucker He was doing very horrible stereotype of Chinese people mm-hmm. In a thick Chinese accent And he thinks he's absolutely fine with it I wasn't like, he's really good comedy But that bear I was like, mate, this is not cool I wouldn't cancel him but I will call him out If I mm-hmm. know him a bit better I,
1: Yeah, I, I don't know I think because even before I discovered comedy Black people found Chinese accent funny We watched Chinese films And when we went to secondary school We used to make fun of, but that's not okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying to you that in those days, that was what was, we didn't even know whether it was okay or not because we were very young at the time. I think
0: one point I'm trying to make is, I know a lot of time, there's a lot of racism towards. Black people, but you guys can be racist to Asian too. The Asians are quite racist to other people as well. Mm. Asian can be racist to black people Mm. too. Mm -hmm. Black people can be racist to Asian too. But just because white people take the piss out of you doesn't
1: Mm. make it okay to go to Asian guys. "Ah, ah, Yeah, Jackie Chang You know where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, but it is the context, isn't it? He was doing it on stage. It's not like he came onto you here and basically said. "Ah, ah, 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 ah." He was was going on stage in front of mainly white audience. I was the only Asian in the room.
0: People think it's absolutely fine to take the piss out of East Asian people mm. and there's nothing wrong with it mm. because they think Asian people are not worse off They are seen as the white people's accomplice So it's absolutely fine for mm. black people to take the piss out of East Asian mm. I say no, we
1: are both minority, I think we should mm. respect each other Okay <laughs> <laughs> It's like a very sensitive and emotional subject It all depends on how it's being portrayed because certainly for my character I think that's one of many reasons why Afro-Caribbeans don't book me. They think it's very stereotypical of, again... But that's
0: visitors. because they didn't know you actually lived through
1: a dictatorship.
0: And you're not going to, for the sake of arguing, keep yeah. saying that. By the way, guys, yeah. has anyone ever asked you about this, about your past and why link linked that to your character? I had absolutely no idea. No, and- nobody has. That's all going to be
1: part of my show that I'm doing as myself because it's important that I say those things. And I think people genuinely don't really know me enough to ask that question or they just think about the character rather than, okay, let's actually know who's behind this character. What See, I've character.
0: always been a big fan of President Obama Joe. <laughs> I think you are simply a great comic, like, yeah. full stop. I, I'm going to say you Thank are you. a great character comedian. You're just a great comic yeah. and that's it.
1: Yeah, I think some people would think it's stereotypical because, you know, they don't actually see the other side of me. And that's why I'm so excited by the opportunities that performing as myself does, because they will discover something totally different. And it's not me hiding behind the character, but they will understand why I created the character.
0: Yeah, I think that performing in character or outside character is such a debate, like almost philosophical. It's yeah. like the fundamental raison d'etre kind of question for comedy. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna go into this. That's well, yeah, the thing that's
1: the hardest the most is the fact that I've got comedy promoters who will not book me as me. I do agree
0: that discrimination exists. I call it character comedy phobia. Where, but what I mean is that they will not book me doing straight stand-up. As a person Banjo, you interact a lot with the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked particularly well in the UK because mm-hmm. there's traditional panto. You will ask the audience, for example, to stand up, to mm-hmm. follow your order, to mm-hmm. take the piss out mm-hmm. of it. It's extremely difficult to follow you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of questions I didn't cover. We didn't even cover Colonel Banjo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe we'll leave it another day. Uh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think it's a lot of uh, stuff, stuff to you share to uh <laughs> Yes. Let's just end it on how
1: people can find you on social media. So- Both as President Banjo <laughs> and Benjamin. So as Benjamin, be- you can find me on Instagram. As Benjamin Banjo you can find me on twitter as benjamin bankoli below is it what saying anything about president bonjo just google president bonjo you'll find him on instagram uh he's on TikTok. uh he's going to do a TikTok later on about letters from Idiami Dada to the queen um just to
0: put in context <laughs> the at the time of recording the queen passed away yesterday yeah exactly. and president bonjo's gig tonight was cancelled because sad. of that
1: <laughs> yeah gigs are being cancelled because the queen died yeah so you can find me on twitter you can find me on TikTok. you can find me on instagram just Google President Bonjo, he comes up. He's, he's an internet whiz kid. And just a word
0: of, not warning, but just a note. President Bonjo rarely breaks the character. President Bonjo rarely breaks a false wall. So <laughs> please do expect any interaction from <laughs> President Bonjo in the character of President Bonjo. That was an absolutely fantastic episode. I want to thank you for coming on to thank the you. podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank and you that's been President Bonjo. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Benjamin Bell. <Spello>. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thank you.